0: Welcome back to the After the Timeout podcast in partnership with the Illinois Basketball Coaches Association. Today's guest is Sarah Teipel, head girls basketball coach at Mundelein High School. We talked to Coach Teipel about team culture development, taking over at her alma mater, and individual growth as a coach. As always, thank you for listening to the After the Time Out podcast.
1: All right, coach. So thanks for joining us. As always, we want to start with our opening tip. So for you, just kind of talk to us a little bit about the the new Mundelein program you're taking over, um, kind of what made you want to return. And there, there does seem to be a lot of excitement around your hire. So kind of take us through maybe how you maintain that excitement going forward.
2: Yeah, well, thanks, John and Todd, um, for having me on. i definitely excited to be here and, and discuss basketball and the coaching and teaching world with both of you. Um, yeah, returning back to Mundelein, I mean, it being my alma mater and the community I grew up in for most of my life, um, getting a chance to, you know, go there as a student and play sports there. Um, you know, obviously, you develop that pride and that love for that school. And I had such an awesome experience there growing up. So, Always had kind of in the back of my head a little bit of a dream to return back. Um, and, you know, it kind of just seemed like the timing just fell in place. But um, when I heard about the, you know, head coaching opportunity and then they had a teaching opportunity as well, um, couldn't have been more excited to return um, just because, like I said, I, I just felt like a piece of my heart and and um, self was always in Mundelein. So always had a dream to kind of return back and have a chance to teach and lead And um, yeah, I mean, it was exciting. I think, yeah, like you said, there was some some excitement from the community, just because I do have some still some relationships with some people there in the community. And um, I think helping, you know, maintain that excitement is just me bringing that energy with each day. Um, I do have a staff around me that has a lot of passion as well. So, you know, you, you have that excitement of the hire, but then You know, I think it's an important as a coach to when you're teaching and coaching. So I did this in camp, you know, you just keep things fresh. You're constantly finding new ways to teach things and, you know, different examples of your standards and the culture you're starting to build. So the girls keep their interest level and what you're, you're trying to teach every single day. So I think you maintain that energy just through bringing it every single day yourself um, and we do that as a staff. And then, like I said, just keeping things fresh and practice and in camp so that um, the girls have that interest level. And, and I help it. I think it helps with investment.
1: What are some things you kind of want to do, you know, now that you've had a summer to look at your personnel, what are some things you want to do offensively and defensively?
2: Yeah. I mean, I think I'm definitely, when I look at my philosophy of coaching, feel that I'm a defensive minded coach, even though I love offense as well. Um, but this summer, you know, was less about the X's and O's and more about building those relationships and then teaching the girls how to play together, um, and really kind of forming those bonds, um, and relationships to where they trusted each other on the court, um, and started to know how to really truly compete. So, you know, I haven't spent a ton, even though, yeah, I've broken down some fundamentally, um, fundamental aspects of running offense and what we're going to start doing. Um, but a lot of our summer was spent breaking up different fundamentals and game situations, um, and like I said, to just gri- really try to get them to understand how to truly uh, compete and be, you know, physically and mentally tough on that floor, so that we could, you know, finish a game from the start to the finish. So that's been my focus this summer. But um, yeah, mindset offensively and defensively. You know, I think it's about personnel. You kind of got to change as a coach when you see what you have, um, and tweak some things that you, you do. So, um, you know, I, I believe in pressure, man, and, and at times, depending on who you're going against and, um, offensively, yeah. I mean, some motion and some sets and, but yeah, like I said, that's not a lot of what what we like focused on this summer.
0: All right. So you kind of led perfectly into it. Um you know, it's going to go back to the to Dundee crown and then we'll transition it to Mundelein here. Um, she so took over Dundee crown and, and, you know, they had had, didn't have as much success the years before you took over. Um, so, and then obviously you built it up and you're, you're, you're winning sectionals. Um, so what were some of those two or three things that you thought were key when you took over Dundee crown to kind of building it up towards that sectional? And then Um, maybe compare and contrast now that you had more years in, right? Maybe some of those things you'll do similarly among the line or some things you're like, well, you know, let's, let's do this. Let's do this differently to build that success.
2: Yeah. I think, you know, walking in a Dundee crown, you know, having some girls that experienced some loss and and some failure at the beginning uh, it was kind of bringing that, attitude of, like we talked about at the beginning, like energy and investment in each one of them, um, but kind of changing that culture from the beginning, I think two to three things are, and you talk about it a lot, I know you guys hear it a lot, but like those connections and making them authentic, like actually showing each girl that you care about, learning their name, building a relationship with each each one of them, knowing something about them um, was important because then that increases buy-in and trust and belief in what you say um so i think that was an important thing like just showing my authenticity from the start and what i represent and what i value as a coach and showing that energy was important and from my staff and then from there you know setting high standards and making sure each girl understands that every single one of them will be held to the same high standard every single day um and then the third thing i think is just so important is in basketball and every team sport is you know getting them to understand um how to make the person next to them better. That you know, so much of our success in building our culture was, you know, stressing a family culture um, that we had everyone's back. So I think the third thing would just be really spending some time teaching these girls how how it looks on the court. And once you build that relationship with your teammates, what it means to truly have their back on the court. Um, and I thought I think those were kind of three main things that led us to the success we ended up having.
1: So I, I kind of want to expand on that a little bit before we go into the next question for you and in, in your first year coming up at I would let's take out wins and losses. Obviously that's a measuring stick, but what, what are some ways you're going to measure your guys' success this coming year on Line?
2: You know, I think you measure success in a lot of ways. I, like you said, you know, you can do it by the numbers, um, you know, statistics and stuff, but there's a lot of other ways you can measure success. I think one of the big things, and you do set goals, so maybe it is a little stat-driven, but feeling like the team is giving their ultimate best for one another, an entire practice every single day, and then it carries into the game. And um, you know, I think coaching and and playing sports is so much more than just the game itself. So I think seeing my team feel like they understand holding the bar so high for themselves in life overall. So in a, as a student first, so I think this year, just seeing my team understand that, you know, the high expectations we set in our culture doesn't just translate to basketball and what we do, it's a life thing. So seeing all of them kind of buy into the fact of what we represent and what we value, um, I think that leads to that enjoyment in the sport. So I'd like to see them enjoy this first season, um, give them memorable experiences, but I think seeing them truly compete in every single game would be a huge goal. And I mean, I think you measure that by, you might have to look at some small goals and stats, um, but it's not stat driven um, in everything we do. It's just the little things that they would do during games and practices that prove that.
1: So for the listeners and for Todd, Um, I can't remember if this was my first or second year at res, we were playing in the Dundee crown Christmas tournament. I'll never forget this. I walked out of the locker room and I saw your whole, your whole team was sitting in the stands between the games, watching their next opponent. All of them had the notebooks in front of them, scouting the next opponent. There was no coach around. It was just the 10, 11, 12 of them. And it was one of those things where I was like, wow, there's, there is a high level of player accountability here. And so for you, what what were, what are some things you do to establish that accountability, that player-led accountability within your program?
2: Yeah, I think that's one of the most difficult things. Um, I think you guys would agree as coaches, you always see the quote of a player-led team is much better than a coach-led team. And I've said that to teams and I've had teams that, you know, one of my most successful was definitely more player-led. Um, but I think building the relationships is the first foundation of that, but then also getting them to understand what greatness looks like. And um, in any sport, if you want to be great at it, um, you have to be self-accountable. Like, you f- affect each other. So what you directly do affects your teammate. So if we can all share the same vision and and we can all um, – you know, set, set our differences aside. And then when we step on that court, we lo- we love each other and we, we want the same thing. And we share that, that vision together, then they start to understand what accountability looks like. And we give examples. So accountability is something that we talk about all the time. So something that our coaching staff uh, did, you know, during many of the seasons where accountability was one of our standards and talking about like how it looks as a player to be accountable to your team. So they would write things on a note card, and I wouldn't tell them what to write. You know, they I would have them write down an example of what it looked like to be accountable um, in the game or you know off the court. Um, so I think you know when you saw that team, it was just they truly understood that they wanted to prepare. You know, I think going into games you want your players to be confident. So they really kind of understood that. Hey, we want to take some notes and talk as a group and understand who we're going up against and it's just something through repetition and consistency of talking about it and revisiting that I felt like they really understood as a group. Um, so I think that, you know, revisiting those things and then, you know, constantly explaining the why behind it helps them understand that.
0: So, uh, you're going into your, your 10th year as a head coach. Um, I kind of want to talk about the process of learning as a coach, right? We talk about the players learning and developing. Um, kind of looking back, right? Maybe some things um, you were like, yeah, I'll definitely do that again. And I know we all have, oh man, why did I do that early, right? And, and your process for kind of evaluating how you're going about things and if if it's working for you and your team.
2: Yeah, um, so think something I've learned over the last 10 years, like- well,
0: Yeah, yeah, like yeah, something um, you took. you took away, like, or something early you're like, Oh man, I did this. I thought this was a great idea and I'm like, and then now you're like, well, maybe maybe we maybe we could have done it a little bit better or yeah. something that you've used throughout your throughout your 10 years that you've stuck with that really worked well.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think one of the biggest things I've learned as a coach that is that the experience and like the life lessons that and that you give the girls is so much of a over, you know, lying tremendous reason why they succeed on the floor. So, um, maybe when I was a young coach, I think I maybe, you know, you, you don't understand that as much, like you maybe put some more time and believe me, I put a ton of time into practice and stuff and my plans and everything, but giving them an experiences with one another and memorable, you know, trips and little things that we've done, um, gets them to want to, I think, trust you with the things that you're asking them to do on the court too. I think the biggest thing I've, I've pulled away as a coach is when your players revisit, and I've had a lot of them come back and talk and, 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 you know, visit our coaches is, you know, so much more about basketball is the life lessons and, and the, and the experience you give these girls. Um, Cause you know, it's my goal that they're better people when they leave. So things that they're doing once they leave high school, are they being good students? Are they making an impact in the society? Little things like that. Um, so I think that would be one of the biggest things I've pulled. It's not just about basketball, you know, you're making better people. Um, so that's a that's a thing I think I learned um, from being young and going through all this, uh, you know, uh, for, for my teams.
1: So I, I kind of want to dig a little deeper Uh, in this, that topic of, of coaching learning. So for you, you know, when, when you set out that the the season ends, you know, and and you think about ways you want to grow um, and then you think about ways you want your assistants to grow, Uh, take our listeners through, you know, do you do any kind of exit meetings with the coaches and give them things to work on or, um, you know, what's kind of your process for your own self-learning season ends. You say to yourself, Hey, I want to work on X, Y, and Z to better myself. Um, kind of take us through more of that. I guess you would say in a teaching term, more of that coaching PD time, that coaching professional development.
2: Yeah. Um, that's huge that you never stop growing. And, uh, I, during, usually the way we do things is we Meet as a staff in a preseason meeting. Um, we meet at the beginning of the summer too and just kind of talk about summer goals and what our focuses are going to be. Uh, but then we always have a preseason meeting in October um, and kind of over, you know, kind of go over the entire timeline or, you know, flexible timeline of what we're thinking throughout the season, what are the goals through each program. Um, Usually we've run a feeder program. So we kind of know somewhat of who, what we're getting, if we had that opportunity. Um, so we'll talk about kind of, you know, what we're thinking for the levels, if we have a a little bit of an idea. Um, but we kind of talk about the key things that we're looking at and kind of revisit some of the standards and values that we want to make sure that we're representing through our program that year. Um, and then, yeah, I think, providing opportunities for, my, for myself, and my staff to attend coaching clinics. Um, so I know over COVID the last couple of years, there was a lot more over zoom, um, but you know, getting up, you know, sending links out and encouraging my coaches to be with me and let's attend this coaching clinic. So there was like a coaching you, I did a PGC clinic. Um, I've done the IBC, IBCA clinics, um, But yeah, surrounding yourself, I think you know, as a coach and you guys would feel the same way, surrounding yourself by great people that love the game, that want to learn too, so you can learn from each other. Um, And so just sharing that value to them, I think, you know, encourages them to want to keep learning. Um, And, you know, I think I do a post-season meeting with every, you know, all of our coaches too, at the end of the year. Um, We kind of talk about the season and things that maybe um, could be adjustments, you know, that we could have maybe made or things we could have done better and then kind of map out the summer. So that's usually how we do things. But yeah, I think I uh, tell my team too: the minute I stop learning is the minute I should stop coaching and teaching. So that growth component, you know, isn't just important for them. It's important for as you go through life. So that's kind of how we how we do things.
1: So as you look to hire assistants, um, you know, whether it was at Dundee Crown or eventually, as you now uh, go over to Mundelein, when you're looking to hire assistants, what are some things you're looking for in those assistants? Um, obviously, you kind of alluded to a little bit of a growth mindset there in that answer, but, you know, what are some other things you're looking for in hiring assistants?
2: Thank you you know, passion and willingness to, to put in hard work and, and dedication to the program, um, you know, basketball and any sport, you know, but take, it's a long season, you know, there's a lot to it. And it's not just the season there's off season. Um, and, you know, it's hard to find coaches that want to put the time in. So I think it's really important to, you know, bring people on your staff that have the ability to put time in, um, And kind of truly show you that they're invested in, you know, not just, you know, one other job, but they care about the community and the school that they're in and they want to try to build what you're talking about. So, you know, I think loyalty is an important thing too. I always talk to my coaches that I'll have their back. And I think it's big as a head coach that they have yours too, um, and that there's open communication. Um, So, I'm big on being a humble leader too. Um, I never come in like top down with my staff. I, I'm very open with them when we communicate. Um, so I think it's just important uh, to find a staff that you know you feel like kind of fit uh, the culture that you're trying to build. And then I think end all be all is willing to put the time in, um, and like you said, has that growth mindset of of really wanting to continue through and continue to you know grow.
0: Um. So we saw you, you took your team to South Carolina for a team camp and you talked about those experiences and for your for your players. Um, but I wanted to kind of ask you I'm going to tweak this a little bit. How do you, you know when you go through those experiences and maybe you come back and you're now in summer camp. What are some of the indicators for you that those experiences were hitting home and helping build those relationships, not only player to player, but coach to player or helping with your communication you know, obviously that's more than just numbers, right? You can't look at a number and say, hey, we communicated well, right? I mean, I I guess somebody's probably figured it out somewhere, words per minute or something, but how do you know that those things, um, you know, are starting to take seed in your program and benefit your program? Yeah,
2: I think first first day, you know, of, of camp and then every day forward, you know, relationships can't be forced, so I did the best I could with my staff with being transparent and trying to like do little things before camp to, to get it loose and ha- let them have a little fun, but like see, see who I am. Um, but then when you provide like those trips, I mean, we, we drove, it took us 20 hours on the way down uh, with traffic and a lot of moments there in the bus with, you know, singing songs and playing bus games um, just to kind of see different sides of the kids. Cause some of them are shy, you know, and they're afraid to show those sides and get a little loose and, You know, my coaches and I were laughing a little bit at the beginning of of our team camp because when we took our first picture, you know, they're all like this in a picture. And, you know, you could tell that they weren't as comfortable even around each other, not just with maybe me, Um, but, uh, you know, I think the more you provide opportunities for, we did a lot of games and had conversations during the game too, like when we're playing games at the camp and we go through the player development session, when the coach talks, we talk as a group, but the more time you spend with them and the more time you provide them and, uh, the more natural it feels. And I think like those relationships are more authentic. So by the end of that trip, I think we spent so much time together and had so much fun that we had a lot stronger relationships and the girls were at the end of the camp, just, you know, hands around each other for pictures and, different girls were mingling with different girls. And, um, we did, you know, jokes during the drive, like, all right, after this stop for gas, you're switching seats with someone and you got to sit with someone else. So, cause we were driving a bus. So kind of not always forcing it, but, you know, giving them opportunities to sit with someone else and talk with them for a little bit. And, um, I think coming back from that trip, like one thing we did when we left, um, after we played a game in the house, just talked about, Hey, what's one thing you thought this trip helped our team. And I had every girl go around in front of each other. And, um, then give me one memory from this trip that you'll, you know, always bring with you. And one of uh, a, lot of them said, like, I feel like we've become closer. Like almost every single one of them was like, I feel more comfortable around my team. And I think this was big for us. Like are the relationships and said some really like strong things. I was like, okay, I'm, I'm impressed. And then, you know, some of them said, like I said, you know, Hey, I, I loved winning on the main court when we could play on their main, you know, gym court, you know, but then some of them said, I love, I love to learn to dive in the pool at the house. Like I love to, you know, the bus ride, I loved, um, playing that fishbowl game. Like, so to some of these kids, like, you know, they love the, those are the moments they remember, you know, some of the kids said it was awesome winning with my team on the basketball court. That first, win we had like, so I think, you know, those trips just really brought us together um, to where I think I told you earlier, they start to understand like every single one of the team members matter. Like we all need to be together for us to really fulfill what we want this season. Um, So that trip really helped us build those bonds, I think. And then the rest of summer, that kind of carried through. Um, You saw more girls working with different girls in camp and there was just a different sense of comfort, you know, comfort level when we were around each other in camp and in weightlifting and everything we were doing.
1: So we wanted to kind of talk with you about maybe how you help your players in the recruitment process for college obviously, you know, you, you played collegiately yourself. Um, So as a head coach, now I'm going to kind of break this up. What do you communicate to your players that want to play college basketball? How do you kind of have those conversations? And the first kind of question I want to dive into is, you know, Todd and I have talked to lots of guests about the commitment level that Girls from going to high school to college, they may not know. Um, I actually ran into a a player we competed against last year, and I said, How's your experience at so and so university? And she's like, It's a lot of work and time. Um, So, kind of, how do you talk to your players first just about that level of commitment it takes to play collegiately?
2: Yeah, I think it's important that, you know, when you talk to girls that want to play, and I always do this, is that they understand, like you said, that it is your life when you're there. Um, so you truly, truly have to love it. Um, 110%. So I try not to do it in a negative way, but be realistic that it's not going to be an easy road. You know, you got to have that resilience through it and, um, just make sure you truly love it, you know, and this is something that you want. Um, but I think another thing I just, talk to them about is, you know, going through the recruiting trail and stuff, it's really stressful. And for a young kid, you know, going through it, they have a million thoughts going through their head. So be organized. I tell them, get an idea of what, you know, whether it be NAIA, division two, division three, D one, what your goals are. And then I think I always talk to them, ask questions when you talk to these coaches, if they do call you, um, Don't just ask questions about their program. You can ask them, but try to learn about who they are as a coach a little bit, too, Um, because I think it's just so important. Um, I think you guys know this, too, and it's in high school. It's every level, but there's some good coaches and there's some bad coaches. And there's coaches that do it for the wrong reasons and ones that do it for the right. So I think I try to tell them, you know, try to find a coach that you feel, feel like really is a player coach that, like, cares about the player, not just the number and wants to win. And you want... You know, college is a different ball game. They're under more pressure, you know, I guess to win, 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 and not saying that I don't want my players to win too, but it's, you know, important, I think for the girls to explore programs where they feel like they have a coach that's invested and cares about them as a person first and foremost, um, you know, because that's what really truly makes them have an experience and, uh, that they enjoy. Cause like I said, it's their life. So that's kind of what I stress.
1: And then just for you as a, as a head high school coach, what are, what are some things, you know, you do to maybe assist your, your student athletes in the process, whether it be talking to collegiate coaches or, you know, networking for them, or, you know, maybe having a conversation with parents who may not understand the process or, you know, kind of maybe for our listeners, what are some things you've done to kind of assist your kids along the way?
2: Yeah. You know, I, have a lot of college contacts that I do. So I, yeah, if I, I recommend some, you know, elite camps and some different, you know, camps during the summer that they could go to, to be exposed. But then I, yeah, I've definitely shot an email with a quick excerpt about one of my players to a coach and, you know, encourage them to check it out. And if I felt like they could play in their style of program, you know, if I, if I know about that, um, so yeah, just communicate with my friends and in, in the coaching world and then not afraid to just shoot an email to a coach I don't know either. You know, um I think it helps when the high school coach is involved because college coaches do find value in that high school sport. Um, and then yeah, I think talking to parents, I've done it a lot too. It's important to uh, huddles big now and YouTube. These kids are making YouTube channels and um just making sure that, you know, it's not all about the offense, like you know, I say yeah, you can put the offense on the highlights and two, but coaches want to see other things, diving after loose balls, hustle plays. Um, what sets you apart body language on the bench? Are you constantly engaged with your teammates? Are you slouching on a bench? You know, like uh, I'm, I, I talked to the girls about doing so many other little things and it's not, you know, I think too many kids stress, like you got to have 20 points in an AEU game. And I tell them there's a lot of games where I didn't score a ton, but I did a lot of other things on the floor that made the team better. And, um, I think just stressing that to parents too, that, um, the more proactive that they are too, the more that they shoot their daughter's game schedule out there and try to, um, you know, look, show the college coaches that they're interested too helps, um, you know, get, get that opportunity to be recruited.
0: Um, so I wanted to talk to you about, uh, build on the relationship piece, but now, you know, the parents and, and the school community. Um, so, what are some of the things you know you try to emphasize here? You know, now that you're, you're you kind of got through the summer, building up those relationships with with parents. You know, because we have seniors who obviously kind of kind of know how to conversate, but then you also have freshmen and you have your junior high players and, and things like that to not only have a positive relationship with them, but also, you know, help them know some of the expectations for your program as well. And then the the standards, right. Cause that obviously helps in, you know, with, with the players, with the players as well during the season.
2: Yeah. Um, think having open communication is key. When, you know, my first day of camp, I had a parent meeting uh, and a player meeting. I had a combo. They were both there um, at the beginning of camp and, didn't talk for a ton of time, but just kind of talked about the standards that we wanted to represent here and what were my values as a coach and kind of tried to be transparent of who I am. Um, So they got a, you know, kind of an accurate picture of a couple of the little things at the beginning and then told them about, you know, the pyramid of parent player coach. And, you know, it's my goal that you know, they know what I represent and that they're not afraid to talk to me if they have a question or concern. And I'm not afraid to talk to them either. Um, I do think it's important to have healthy boundary lines, you know, with your parents. And I think you guys understand that too. Um, but that like, you also are open enough with them and you tell them like, you're not afraid to talk to them if there's something that they have a question about. Um, so I think there's nothing wrong with that. And, um, But I also think if you're transparent, you, you have communication with them. So having meetings with them, staying active with emails and and letting them know what's going on. Um, And like you talked about going through the youth, like starting even with the youth, um, I've been involved with feeder and and our staff has a lot of times for the last nine years at Dundee crown. So you kind of carry your standards and your culture into your feeder. You might not stress things as, is high level, you know, with them, but. 110% 110% effort and positive attitude. Like you, you explain the why with that, even with the little kids. And so the parents get to understand like the things that you do in high school that carries them through the youth league or youth year. So that right when they get to high school, wow, this is exactly what they represent. And I already understood it because this is what we were doing in the youth. Um, so I think you yeah, had, like I said, the transparency and the open communication, I think helps parents understand what you're about.
1: So I think just to, to finish and with a follow-up on that, the open transparency and the, the, the conversations, we actually have talked to a few coaches this offseason who are kind of going from uh, one program to taking over another program. You know, kind of take our listeners through maybe those conversations you had as you departed uh, Dundee Crown and then maybe that first conversation you had with those, those players at Mundaline
2: it was a tough emotional decision. Um, you know, I loved being at Dundee crown and had such an, you know, enjoyable, rewarding experience. Um, so I had a player program meeting at the end of like, right as I was accepting the job. Um, so everyone came into Dundee crown and, um, explained to them that, you know, I had accepted that position and I just wanted them to understand this is such a tough thing. And it, I just want them to know that it's not about them, you know, like not looking at it like I'm leaving them, um, that this was just the best decision for my family. Um, and so I think that was tough, um, not knowing what they're thinking, but a lot of, you know, there was a lot of tears, um, but I think it was just important to be truthful to them about the impact that they made on me too. Um, you know, I felt fortunate and and grateful that I felt like I had a positive impact on a lot of them, but I also wanted them to understand that they made a, a huge impact on me as a coach and a person. Um and also just kind of telling them that if they ever need anything, I'm still there, you know, and I'm not just disappearing. So, you know, I did stop by one one night in summer league, um, just because I used to run that summer league. So I helped kind of set it all up this summer, but visited some of my coaches, my old coaches and, and watched the team, the varsity team a little bit in the G V. So you know, I think just leaving in the right way of being authentic on that. You, you're not leaving them, you know, you just, it was a a hard decision in life. And this is just part of, you know, the way that sometimes life happens. That's another lesson for them, you know, but, um, then that first conversation with Mundeline, you know, I think, like I said, I was just very transparent on what I represented and showed that excitement came in with a lot of energy and, um, told them a few things about myself and, and tried to learn a couple of things about them and uh, starting with their names. So it was difficult, but I really tried to learn those names in that first week. Um, Cause I think that's a, a big part in them wanting to continue that relationship is knowing that, you know, their name. Um, so uh, that was kind of the timeline of how things worked out.
1: So as we get into our last two segments, uh, the first one we call 30 second timeout, um it's a very loose 30 seconds there's no official in your timeout telling you you're done um but this is your platform to talk about yourself or your program or your family or we've had quite a few guests lately turn the uh, tables on Todd and I and ask us questions um but it's it's your 30 seconds to to kind of talk about whatever you'd like
2: yeah I mean I'll go quick so 10 seconds I think one of the most influential people that In my life, I last, I lost my dad two years ago to MS, but, um, resilience is a a thing that I think kids need to understand in life. Um, and that's something that he showed me, um, throughout my whole life. And was one of my biggest fans as a player and still as a coach. Um, so just bringing that resiliency that he showed me through, through his life, um, has helped me have that as an individual and then use that tool in my teaching and coaching, um, What's one thing that you guys uh, feel feel like you've pulled away from your experiences in the coaching world?
0: Um, yeah, I, I would. Uh, I lean more towards resilience and being able to handle uh, adversity. Um, you know, it's just such a different world than. I mean, I'm not that old. I'm 40, but like, it's just a different world there's, there's social media there's different pressures there's so much more going on that when I when I was a kid I wasn't even aware of right I was playing ball um and, and how to be able to have conversations about tough topics and be able to kind of find your way through it it might not always be easy but you gotta you gotta keep plugging away at it um, so I like that word, resilience, um, and, and just kind of learning how to deal with ad- adversity, um, maybe not through social media or whatever, but just uh, with authentic conversations, person to person. I think that's a big, big. not only just for, for younger kids, but for all of us, right? Learning how to deal with the current landscape we're in. Yeah.
1: I would say um, a long time ago, probably almost 10 years, Um, I had a boss uh, that when I was hired somewhere, he said, just take care of the kids. Don't worry about anything else. Um, Everything else falls into place. I think we all stress about whether it's in, you know, our day jobs or our coaching jobs, you know, this paperwork or this evaluation or this game, or I got to watch this film or I got to make sure I run you know this during this timeout. I think it's just really important to just remember, just take care of the kids. And I think I've probably repeated that to coworkers and friends or people in the profession more than anybody wants to hear me say it. But I think when you boil it down to that, it just makes things so simple that you know what—that's fine. You you may lose a game. You may you know to make an adjustment in a timeout that was wrong. You may you know. Uh, try to do something in a scouting report that doesn't work in the end that doesn't really matter 10 years from now you're not going to remember what you did in that scouting report you're not going to remember what was done in that time out um, and so I think it just it just comes down to just take care of the kids and make sure the kids are okay and whether you're in teaching or coaching or whatever you're in I think it's just just take care of the
0: kids so that that's what I would say awesome. I like it all right, coach, we're going to move on to our quick hitters, kind of rapid fire. Okay. Um, you answer any, any way you feel. First question, favorite stadium or town you played in collegiately?
2: Yeah, um, we played at Texas A&M um, when I was in college. And the year we played, they had a doubleheader with the boys right after our game. Um, so I remember they had a, a, a men's player, AC Law. Um, that was a, a strong, strong player at that time that yeah. ended up going to the NBA uh, NBA. So um, it was an awesome experience because Texas AM's and women's team was strong too. Um, but it was a packed house. I mean, they have a huge stadium there and a lot of people funneled in. I'm not saying they didn't come to watch the women too, but you guys understand that mm-hmm. they don't pull as high of crowds. So having that double header, um, the gym was just packed because people funneled in um, really early. So that was an awesome experience. We really did stay with them real close. We were down by five at halftime, but then they did end up, uh, kind of beating us pretty good. Um, and then I, can I throw one more in? I thought one of my best memories was like December 23rd, my freshman year, we played at Wisconsin. Um, had a decent crowd in front of us, but we ended up beating them, um, and that was a huge win for us just because, you know, I think that they kind of went in that game thinking it was an easy win for them um, playing a small, you know, mid-major D1. So um, that was a cool memory. Madison is a great campus, too. It's beautiful. So I thought um, playing at their, at their home court and getting an opportunity to win that game was a cool memory.
1: Man, I think that's our first uh, AC Law reference ever. AC Law, my, yeah. Point yeah. I it. All right, for you, call or texting?
2: Call. I think text is convenient, but I'm definitely personable and like to talk to people. So even if it's a quick call, call.
0: Uh, Favorite underrated movie?
2: Okay, this is tough because I I'm just being honest. I am so busy. I don't watch a ton of movies. So I don't know if I have an underrated one. I feel like, uh, you know, when I I love like sport movies. You know, I was trying to think of like an underrated one. Um
1: if if you had to go favorite sports movie then, what would you say?
2: Oh, I've got a couple. I mean, what do you got? I loved watching the last dance, you know, of MJ. I love MJ, um, which was the series, you know, on Netflix. But um I loved, you know, um remember the Titans. I loved Coach Carter. Um, I loved the new movie Hustle on Netflix. I thought that was pretty strong. Um, so those are I would say some of my faves.
1: I just watched Hustle. Yeah, that was very good. I agree. Yeah. Um, all right. So if you're in, in a car with somebody, would you rather be the passenger or the driver?
2: Driver. Um, it's funny. I mean, my husband, he likes to drive a lot. So he drives a lot of times when we're together. But I do enjoy driving a lot more um, than being in the passenger seat. So that would be my pick.
0: All right. Nike, Adidas, or Under Armour? Nike. Nike, you're a Nike. Okay. There we go. There we go. I'm
2: I'm gonna have to switch over because we're under armor at mundelein even though this is Nike. I guess they must yeah. have switched it up a few <laughs> years ago. But uh I've just been used to Nike. We've had you know had Nike for years at at Crown. So I just kind of got used to that. So I'm trying to widen my, you know, you know, expand yeah, you my go. vision. But there you
0: go. Well, coach, uh we we can't. Thank you enough for jumping on with us. Um, it's good to talk to you and just have a conversation about basketball and not try to figure out how to beat your teams. That's always, uh, it's it's a, little bit, it's a little bit easier to have the conversation, but we can't thank you enough. Um, you know, we know you're gonna rock it, Ed Line, and uh, you're, it sounds like you're off to an awesome start. So thank you for joining us Dick.
2: Yeah, I appreciate it, Todd and John. Um, it was a pleasure to be on and thanks again for the invite. Um, wish you both the best of luck too. And hopefully we can, you know, continue to communicate throughout the year and stuff.
1: Thank you for listening to another episode of the After the Timeout podcast hosted by Todd Zazadil and John Plicky. For more show content and upcoming episodes, follow us on Twitter at After the Timeout, or subscribe to our podcast for upcoming episodes. For show inquiries, you can email us at afterthetimeout@gmail.com. at gmail.com. You can find all of our previous episodes on Anchor, Spotify, Breaker, Radio Public, Pocket Cast, Google Podcasts, and Apple Podcasts by searching After the Timeout." We appreciate you listening. Tune in next time for more coaching content in-game, out of the game, and anything in between.